0: We welcome all visitors as we desire to see those who are Jewish and not Jewish worshiping together in unity. We're honored to serve the listening audience of AM570 WTBN and 910 WTWD, Tampa Bay's Faith Talk. Shalom. As we are counting the Omer and looking forward to Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, or you might call it Pentecost, Revival should be on our minds. Let's talk about revival this day. Let's begin, though, first with a a time of prayer. Avinu Malkeinu, our Father and our King. We love you and praise you and honor you. We worship you and magnify your holy name. And we're asking, O Lord, that the power of your Spirit infill us in such a way that not only will we be revived, but our families will be revived. Our congregations will be revived. Our city, our country, Israel, and the entire world will be revived. Lord, pour out your spirit in a precious way, O Lord. I pray, Father, just as it says in your scripture, O Lord, in Psalm 85, Won't you revive us again so your people may rejoice in you? And I'm praying, O Lord, that your people will rejoice in you this day. So we bless you, we praise you, and honor you in the name of Yeshua. Amen and amen. And I would uh, just mention before we begin that it would be great if you feel led to help us financially, as certainly with COVID and everything, it's been a little more difficult uh, financially, and we would be blessed to have your support, not only prayer support, but financial support. That would be great. Well, let's begin with the counting of the Omer. Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has set us apart by your commandments and has commanded us to count the Omer. Today is the seventh day of the fourth week and day 28. Whoa, I have counted the Omer. All right. So the theme for today... Uh, is Waiting for Revival Part 2, so if you want to see Part 1, you have to go to our website, right? If you don't have the Counting of the Omer, um, go to our website. You can just uh, go to the resources, and it will be right there, and you can either print it or just read it off there. The scripture for today under this theme is, we actually, we have three of them. Isaiah 40, verses 30-31. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But they who wait for Adonai will renew their strength. They will soar up with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Amen? That sounds like revival to me. Uh, and Hosea 12:7, So you should return to your God, keep covenant, loyalty, and justice, and wait for your God continually. Amen. And that's what this time is all about, waiting for our Lord. And Habakkuk 2, verse 3, For the vision is yet for an appointed time. It hastens to the end and will not fail. If it should be slow in coming, wait for it. For it will surely come, it will not delay. All right. So you see the theme here, that it's all about waiting for God to pour out his spirit for revival. The thought, E.M. Bounds said this, The goal of prayer is the ear of God, a goal that can only be reached by patient and continued and continuous waiting upon him pouring out our heart to him and permitting him to speak to us. Only by so doing can we expect to know him. And as we come to know him better, we shall spend more time in his presence and find that presence, a constant and everlasting delight, or ever-increasing delight. There we go. And I have a second uh, thought. This one from G. Campbell Morgan, it says, Waiting for God means power to do nothing save under command. This is not a lack of power to do anything. Waiting for God needs strength rather than weakness. It is power to do nothing. It is the strength that holds strength in check. It is the strength that prevents the blundering activity which is entirely false and will make true activity impossible when the definite command comes. Wow, that's a lot to think about. <laughs> okay, our challenge for today is being able to wait on God is so important we should be reminded of this daily. It is not passive we are actively waiting with faith and hope as God sets his plan in motion. The prayer, Lord, give me all that I need as I actively wait on you, Lord. Revive me. So today we're going to talk about revival. And revival, as defined in the Christian dictionary in America, It says, Revivalism is the movement that promotes periodic spiritual intensity in congregational life during which the unconverted come to Yeshua and the converted are shaken out of their spiritual lethargy. You know, I, I think that's a pretty excellent way of looking at revival. People come to the Lord and Believers become spiritually excited. Now, Spurgeon says the word revive wears its meaning upon its forehead. It's from the Latin, and may be interpreted thus, to live again, to receive again a life which has almost expired, to rekindle into a flame the vital spark which was nearly extinguished. So is your spark Nearly extinguished, you need revival. Amen. Look, there can be corporate revival or there can be personal revival, and we are holding on. We're waiting and praying as Shavuot is May 16th, which would be the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. And that's all about revival, right? We see it in Acts 2. So let's go to Acts 2. And get a sense of nine characteristics that we consider to be revival. Okay. Number one, are you ready? Believers are transformed from lethargy to excitement about God. Okay. So in other words, there there certainly has to be great excitement by both believers and non-believers. Whatever is going on in our lives, God becomes number one. Daily activities of making a living or fellowship in Acts 2 took a back seat to focusing on God. Now, number two... Believers are continually evangelizing. You know, the book of Acts is all about sharing the good news. And Peter, if you remember, he struggled, didn't he? Uh, at the time of Yeshua's resurrection, uh, he couldn't even say that he, he knew the man, right, three times. But he received spiritual and biblical insight and in order to preach without fear, and in Acts 2, he does exactly that. Wow. That is definitely a characteristic of revival. Peter got revived. Number three, sinners are saved. Look, all you have to do is look in the book of Acts 2. Acts 2 we see that 3,000 were saved that day which is kind of interesting, just talking uh, about Shavuot, because when Moses received the law and he came down and the people were in sin in Exodus thirty-two twenty-eight, 3,000 died because they had sinned. So it's an interesting thing. On the same day, uh, that same number were saved thousands of years later, right? And in 1970s, when this was called the Jesus movement, Jewish people were just getting saved during this time. It, for no apparent reason, it just there was something in the air. It's hard to even explain it if you haven't lived in that time period. But there was an amazing revival going on, and it and it was the beginning of the Messianic movement and and we didn't know that others were getting saved it was just it was just supernatural number 4 sermons focused on sin and salvation and God's mighty power not theology and culture and you know i hope that that is going on in today's congregations all over the world that, that the focus is on God's mighty powers and, and, and us, you know, getting rid of our sin and, and, and seeing people saved. Now, Peter's message was all about salvation and prophecy of what God was about to do. As an example, in Acts 2.17, he sort of begins his message. He says, and it shall be in the last days that I will pour out my ruach on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and the old men shall dream dreams. And he goes on from there, and and that's when 3,000 were saved. Look, the book of Acts is all about people coming to salvation and from the messages they hear, that God is anointing these messages in an incredible way. Number five, believers are touched by music and sermons um, in a more exciting way. In other words, uh, Peter's message was transformed by the Lord, really. The listeners were... uh, their, their hearing was transformed by the Lord. And this this was the work of God, an anointing to speak, an anointing to hear. So we need that God, by the power of the Spirit, doing that now. Number six, there was greater unity in the body of believers. Look, this happened just prior to Shavuot. You know, we have the 120 praying together in unity. That's amazing, but then afterwards, they picked leaders within unity. There was so much unity that they were sharing meals together and sharing even their finances together. This was tremendous unity, and this was something that was God-breathed, I believe. Number seven, spiritual gifts seem to have greater intensity and greater frequency look certainly there was an understanding that the gifts of the holy spirit were expected with each salvation oftentimes it referred to tongues but there were other things that were examples as well and so um the spirit was just touching people's lives in a uh, newer and dramatic way and, and I pray, Lord, that it's not something that we'll just manufacture, but it's something that will God will manufacture within us. Amen? Okay. Believers, number eight, will have a greater ability to overcome sin. This is really important. You know, we all sin, we all fall short of the glory of God and and. Part of of revival is transformation, That that, you know, we might think we're okay, but look, when we really deal with ourselves, we know that there are things in our lives that have to change. And so we repent, which is a means of turning away from the world and the temptation of sin to a life dedicated to God and trusting him for the victory. And so that's what revival is. We're turning to God, we're turning away from our sin. And uh, so it's not just people who don't know the Lord, but it's people in the churches and in the Messianic synagogues who are willing to repent before the Lord. Number nine, and that is culture and society is influenced. So what do I mean by that? Well, look, ever since... I don't know, the the 60s, we're seeing that culture and, and society has influenced the church in such a way that there is now a very liberal part of the church. There, there is change in our culture that, you know, we can't pray in school any longer. We can't have a Bible there. You know the drill. Uh, I mean, we've, we've gone from abortion being illegal to now it's federally funded. All of these things, but in a revival, this changes. God works on the hearts of people, and so during revival the the, the church, the messianic movement, they rise up and and in one voice and and they get god's God's word uh, out there and and people hear it and and they change so. Our expectation for revival is that our culture will change as the light of Yeshua overcomes the darkness of this world. That's revival. Amen? Okay. So how do we get revived? How does how does it work? <laughs> well, if I had a one, two, three kind of thing, uh, I would be rich, right? Certainly rich in God. Uh, look, I believe that supernatural revival work is a work of god and we cannot we can do everything perfectly on our own and yet we won't be revived unless god's grace and his timing is all upon us so does that mean we should sit around and wait for revival? No, we, we're, we're waiting for God. We're not waiting for revival. <laughs> we, we are trying to do everything in our power to show God that we are ready for revival, that we hunger for revival. Uh, I believe God wants us always to seek after him, and based on our love for him and our obedience to his heart, revival's got to follow. So, you know, one of the things I, I say that drives people crazy is we must be a hypocrite for God. Um, yeah, Nobody wants to be a hypocrite, I get that. But, you know, a hypocrite is feeling one way and acting differently, right? And the definition of a hypocrite is the person who puts on a false appearance of virtue or a person who acts in contradiction to how he feels, right? So stay with me for a second. Wait before you get upset with me. In First Thessalonians 5, 6, 16 to 18, you know this verse. It says, Rejoice always, pray constantly, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you and Messiah Yeshua. So does rejoice always mean always? Of course. Does that mean even when we are sad, depressed, angry, or irritated? Yeah. Well, if I rejoice when I feel bad, am I a hypocrite? (laughs) Well, people could say I am not being honest with my emotions, and I feel one way or another isn't. That would be a hypocrite, right? A hypocrite is a pretender, a deceiver. On the other hand, right, we're not a hypocrite because we understand that a hypocrite preaches one thing and does another. So I guess if I'm preaching rejoice always and don't rejoice always, then I am a hypocrite too. (laughs) Oh my, actually, either way, people are going to see us as crazy or being a hypocrite. Enjoy it. Don't let it bother you. Just enjoy it right? Um, Or as the scripture says, in everything, give thanks. Or will that make you a hypocrite because, okay, we won't go through that again, but I'm just kind of saying that that verse uh, shows us what God wants from us, and, and, and so we really need to focus on his word and his desire. If we give Thanks to God in all situations, would we ever be angry with anybody, even if they did something really hurtful? I believe in the same way. We're to act as though we are revived, even if we don't feel like it at the moment. I found this quote. uh, I don't know this fellow, uh, or maybe if that's the Erasmus, a desiderous. Uh, Erasmus, is that his first name? At any rate, okay. Here's the quote. A nail is driven out by another nail. Habit is overcome by habit. Oh, boy. You want to think about that one a little? It's short, but it is powerful. What I believe that means is the habit of rejoicing always or giving thanks always will drive out the habit of not doing that, okay? Of, of being negative, of, of being, you, you understand what I'm saying? If God wants us revived and we want to be revived, then develop the attributes of revival, Make those attributes a habit, and we will be revived. Now, look, obviously when God has a time of revival, things will be even more revived. But there are different things that we can do to allow ourselves to be revived as we focus on things uh, from above rather than things of this world. So one of the things, if, you, if you've heard me speak, you know that I love Isaiah 61, 1 through 4, and because it is, it's a purposeful way of letting your heart and spirit know what God wants from you. It's all about faithfulness of you to, to the Lord. So what does revival look like? Well... Isaiah 61, starting with verse 1. The Ruach of Adonai Elohim is on me because Adonai has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, to the opening of the prison to those who were bound, to proclaim the year of Adonai's favor in the day of God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, you know what we 're going to have to talk about this next week i 'm running out of time. Can you believe it? Okay, well, next week we will continue right here with isaiah sixty one through four I, I just say, just join us in prayer and fasting and counting the Omer and and let us God's revival in us. Would you pray with me as we end this this time? Avinu Malkainu, our Father, our King, we love you and praise you. And, and just ask, O oh Lord, that you would put revival in our heart, in our minds, and our spirit. And I pray that you, Lord, would be the first priority of all of us and that we would grow in our hearts to have a heart like yours, a heart of Messiah. I pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. You are Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel. Oh,